Well, hey everyone, welcome to this episode of I'm Talking. We're having messy, honest conversations, and I tell you, we've been having some good ones. Today is something that I know so many people are going to be wanting to talk about. We're talking about children on the autism spectrum, and I know it's something that uh, everyone uh, is exposed to and wanting to know about, and so I'm really thrilled for today's podcast. And today I've got two great people with, uh, I, I honestly think, a lot to offer this conversation. We've got Vanessa and we've got Sharon. I'm going to put to you guys to tell us why you're in this room, what, what, how you're connected to this um, this conversation. Ness, over to you first. Thank you, Phil. Um, I guess I'm in this conversation because at the moment I am an inclusive education teacher and so my job is really supporting anyone who needs additional support or has additional needs and making sure that those needs are met and that they can thrive at school. So I think that's why I'm here. Do you like your job? I love my job. It is the most interesting and bizarre teaching job because every yes. single day is different, but it is wonderful. Because you were a normal, a normal, <laughs> normal, is that the right word? A normal school teacher. I was a regular classroom teacher. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> yes, and um, over the years that shifted and now I'm in inclusive education. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's great to have you part of this. And Sharon, new to the impact conversation world, tell us about you, how you're connected to this. Okay, well, I am the lucky owner an advocate of a young boy on the spectrum and I've been invited. I'm quite honoured to be here mm-hmm. um, just to, I guess, discuss what it's like from a parental perspective and it's all new and exciting. Like Ness was saying, it's changes every day. Yep. I wish I could explain it in a nutshell. I'll do my best, but we'll see how we go. Tell, can I, I can ask, <laughs> tell us about your boy, how old he is, what some of his journey's been. Okay. Um, he's 12 and he's just started year seven. Mm-hmm. So that's, oh, well, where do I start? I don't know. Um, it's Actually, been we, exciting. Let, let's start here. <laughs> what is a child on the autism spectrum? Uh, either of you, let's put some language to that because we hear the spectrum. We hear these sorts of words. What what does it mean? Ness, you're helping to diagnose this or flag this. Tell us about what, mm-hmm. what is what is this about for people who don't know? Um, I guess the best way to explain the autism spectrum is that there's a neurological um, difference. Yep. And it's not, it doesn't mean that there's an abnormality or anything like that. There's just a difference. And um, kids or people on the autism spectrum, they can process things differently mm-hmm. or they see the world a little differently. Um, but yeah, just a difference. Um, yeah, that's, that's how a, I would explain it. That's a great word. And I, something I hope, we do hope that this conversation helps give that, that, that is, there isn't wrong or incorrect or not working. It is difference and that we can value that and under, help understand that. Um, Sharon, tell us about your, I guess, experience personally in this space. You'd say as much or as little as you want to say. We appreciate you sharing your story today. Oh, look, it's been, my boy is my third child. Mm-hmm. So obviously parenting two and getting them through school, through different situations, you you feel like you've got a pretty down pat. And then the third <laughs> little firecracker comes along <laughs> and it just, I mean, as the role as a mum, it's, it's fulfilling and it's fulfilling differently yes. with the three of them. Um, Henry has taught us a lot, I guess, as a family and as parents and continues to do so. He 
he just contributes differently, like as you're saying, and it probably gives us a different perspective on we all don't fit into a textbook. There's no parenting handbook that can actually really guide you through it. Yeah. And it's just individualised. It's... Um, I don't know how deep. I mean, if I if I started actually going into it, we would be here forever. Yeah. But so he, he's yeah. twelve. You said he's twelve. 12. And, and at what age did you start to you know recognise there were differences? Start to go down this you know this journey. Um, to be honest, I had a gut feeling pretty early on. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't looking for anything yep. in particular, but I just noticed that I couldn't tap into this child. Yeah. And it was nothing serious. It was nothing, you know, and I'm just thinking, well, I've had two girls. I've now got a boy. Maybe they tick a bit different. What am I? <laughs> I'm sure they do. We, they yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> and then I bring out all the boy books, yeah. how to parent boys yes. and how to do this. And I'm thinking, no, this isn't mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. But I was just determined as any mum or dad are just to figure out and, you know, pave our own way. and. Yep. Yep. He was pretty much normal. He'd all the normal uh, milestones mm-hmm. and school and everything was fine. It probably was in about kindergarten year one that they noticed he may not have been, um, you know, settling as well as kids in class. So um, I guess we started the ball rolling then. Gotcha. Yeah. Just to try and, you know, see if... Yes. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it was in that era where they were putting everybody in a box. So I was quite resistant. Yep. To start with, thinking that I'd already had these two children, mm-hmm. I can do this. I'm always up for a challenge, but you know, I'm glad instinct finally took over and we just followed the process and yeah, we're yeah. able to help him a bit more now. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, Ness, you are in that school setting. You help with diag- this diagnosing or recognizing. Can I ask you what what is that process look like, and is there a difference between a family like that that is starting to recognise maybe there are differences themselves versus as a teacher or as an, a school or doctors having to have that conversation, put up those, you know, initiate that process. Can you speak into all of that? I think um, it's really important to recognise that if you haven't experienced it before, you don't really know what you're looking for. Yes. And so often it may be suggested by a doctor or a teacher or something and it can be a shock because to you what you see every day or what you do every day is yes. your normal. Mm. Um, so for someone to suggest something different, that can be quite confronting and it can be quite um, overwhelming. Um, but often things that are seen at school happen at school because it's a different environment. And most of the time your house is the safe place and you, yes. without knowing, put things in place to, to support your child or to cater for your child or to help your child. And so when those things are removed, we see a different side. And so communicating mm. that to families in a really loving way, saying, you know, we value your child but we want to support them, um, yes. it, that's the way it should be done, that we see something and we want to know more so that we can help. Yeah, I... I, like I know, I've known you a long time, Ness. You are very insightful, very good with people, very good at explaining things and using great language. So I know that you would communicate it in the best way possible. I'm going to put you on the spot. What are some of the maybe emotions or reactions that you see either in that moment or in the following weeks from families? Mm. Um, I think 
every situation is different mm. because every child is different, but most of the time there is a bit of shock and a little bit of, are you sure? Yes. Um, uh, a bit of denial, which is totally normal and acceptable, a bit of relief sometimes hey, that, yeah. you know, a parent may be struggling at home and finally someone has realised and wants to help. Um, and also, you know, every now and then the, oh, yeah, we, we agree. Um, but everyone's different and everyone's on a different part of the journey and mm. it is. It is the journey going from you know, first recognising to getting a diagnosis to putting things in place to living living it and we have to meet people where they're at and support them no matter yeah. what the reaction is. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I like what you said that it, it is acceptable. No reaction is a bad reaction mm. if you like. Yeah, that's great. So Sharon, you experienced that. I like you said even uh, resistant. I think you're probably asking those sorts of questions, trying to get a lay of the land. Completely. What, yeah. <laughs> um, can you speak to that? And then even between then and now, um, how do you how do you handle it? How do you cope? Um, you know, some of the great stories you were sharing. You know, it is a roller coaster. It sounds like. Um, so how do you, as a as a mum. Uh, how do you cope, survive, thrive in this, in your situation? Oh, look, probably in some, lots of variances actually. Mm. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm not proud of the way <laughs> I might handle some situations just because you might be emotionally or mentally exhausted from, you know, a week, really bad week with them. You know, they might not be having a good week at school. They might not be having a good week at home. And you've kind of, I find it difficult because I'm an emotional person myself mm -hmm. to actually pack away your emotion, which you do naturally as a parent to help your children. But sometimes parenting these children, you need to, sometimes it's packed away for a week. Yeah, locked away. <laughs> it's locked away. And it's really hard to then sometimes manage that and help them understand and manage their own emotion and yet you're trying to understand their own their emotion yes. yep. as well um, because sometimes if they're frustrated or, mm. you know, appear angry, it's not out of anger or frustration at all. It's actually out of their own anxiety or something just hasn't gone right socially at school. Um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, different. I've, my husband and I just try and find some time for ourselves, whether it's okay. even, even if we're all at home in our own home setting, we might just go out and have lunch, you know, in the garden area yep. while Henry's, you know, doing something himself and just, just have those mental breaks, just have that conversation between us both. So we're both remaining on the same page. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously then I've got, you know, two other children mm -hmm. that we need to give adequate time to as well. Um, from a family perspective, that's what we tend to do. We tend to spend a lot of time at home because that's where Henry's happy yeah. and that's his safe place. Um, but again, you know, being 12 and now transitioning into high school, he has to learn social experiences yeah. more so. Yeah. Um, so that's where, you know, we have some help coming, I believe. Um, just some support care at home just to help him a little bit more with his transitioning into high school and into the community. Yeah, good. So, you know, between that and us personally doing our own mental health 
you know, I'll go to the gym and my yep. husband's quite active. Yeah. You know, the girls all have their own interests. We just try and keep That's us all good. sane. I won't <laughs> ask you what school Henry goes to, but I'll. I, can I ask what what does the school and and other maybe um, you know other support systems provide that is helpful or has been frustrating for you? What 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 has what has the school done that has has been helpful? What has the school done that you know? Has room for improvement, or what have you need? Hoped, look, I wish we had more of that, or I'm so glad we had that. Um, can you give any answers to that? Because yeah. I know there are people listening who are maybe on this journey, and the more help they can get, the better. You know. Oh, absolutely, and I wish I had all the answers. To be honest, um, don't don't you? No, <laughs> unfortunately not. <laughs> I haven't written a book yet. Okay. <laughs> um, no, look, I guess where we are in our journey is, you know, we had those two years of COVID, Mm -hmm. which really impacted, you know, it impacts neurotypical children. Um, Henry was quite happy being at home for two weeks and then reality hit. Yes. Um, But then his NDIS support through that period, you know, they generally just rolled them over because it was really hard to have consultations and interviews and so forth. So I think maybe the timing of that versus his, uh, you know, like his social readiness, yep. I guess you could call it, it just clashed. It kind of went off the rail a little bit. So by the time they actually returned to school, he came with a whole new set of problems and we weren't ready for it. And school, I guess, wasn't ready for it because he'd never shown any problematic behaviour before. And, and you know, it's only problematic because it doesn't set the general 80% yeah. of the population. But we're still kind of in the midst of it, to be honest. Um, you know, we've, had N- we've got an NDIS review going. I've um, been lucky enough to find a couple of additional supports to help me navigate that because... To be honest, it's quite overwhelming when when you haven't been through it before, yet you're trying to pave your way through a system that I guess is like a labyrinth. Mm. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult. But the school's been amazing. Good. Um, they're really trying to help us get on the front foot and support Henry the best way we can. They're working with our current therapists and, yeah, like, I'm I'm in the middle of it, so yeah. I wish I could, you know. Hopefully, one day I can sit here and tell you the ending of it. Yes, <laughs> that's a really good point, though, because mm. once you do have a diagnosis, there is a whole process to get support, and I think um, you will never get a larger advocate for your child mm. than the parent, and the parent really needs to rise to that, and that can be really daunting. So having people around you to support that and to give directions and finding people who have done it before to say, try this or go this avenue um, is actually really important because mm. it is all new and it, oh, it, it can is. be super overwhelming because there's so many things you've got to put in place or need to put in place or can put in place, and if you don't know it... Um, you, yes. you can't utilise that support. Yeah. Um, but having people around you to support and as a parent with a child with additional needs, it can feel very lonely and feel like no one understands. So mm. even that sense of community and finding people who have awesome. been through it before can make such a difference um, to your journey. 
Yeah. And I think from a, um, that's probably where I went wrong, to be honest, mm. if you can call it wrong. I, I'm just so used to doing things myself mm-hmm. and I probably took it on too much to a point before I asked for yeah, help. Sure, sure. Or, it, you know, it, it hit the fan and I had to say help <laughs> because I've got two hands and I didn't know which one to use first. Mm. And it was actually only through um, my sister-in-law who has a physically disabled child, that she was able to put me on to a lady who has now been able to be my saviour. And that was... um, When did we start? We started um, looking into the NDIS and seeking help through Department of Education when Henry was six or seven, and it's only been at the end of year six when there was problematic behaviour at school that something's actually started rolling... And it's just a shame that there's these children who are well-behaved, wanting to learn, but not having access to any support because they're good children or well-behaved or they fit within that realm of what's expected. Yeah. It's a shame that it has to get to that point before, mm. yeah, anything's actioned. Yeah. Um, so there, you know, everyone, we have families, schools, organisations. What do, what do those family schools, organisations, clubs, churches, whatever it is, what, what do those spaces do? And I'll ask both of you this, that is maybe well intended, maybe well meaning, but actually isn't helpful. Um, I like that you said earlier, Sharon, that, uh, at, there was a stage where everyone was sort of put into a box and, and, and there's been so much education over the last, you know, few years, so much representation, so much understanding that, uh, there is so much nuance and, and it is a spectrum. It's not, you know, black or white. Um, yet, so I think people are, can do their best yet actually frustrate the process and the families and not, not be as helpful as they want. Can you guys speak into that? Some things that mm. people do that good or good meaning or bad meaning actually are not helping. Mm. I think people can underestimate um, kids with additional needs and think before they give them a try that they won't be able to do it yeah, right. and actually say, oh, we won't do that because of this or we won't let them have the chance because of this when really... Um, they're so capable and they're so unique and amazing. Like no child is the same and every child deserves the opportunity to succeed or the opportunity to try or the opportunity to be a part of something. So I think people's good intentions is, oh, we want to protect them or we want to, you know, not make it too hard, but really we take away the opportunity for them to grow or to be a part of something and we can underestimate the amazingness that is inside them. And do you think that's people that they just don't, they're ignorant, they don't understand or is it, you know, is it, where do you think that's mm. coming from? I think it's coming from a place that people don't want to upset the, yes. the, the status quo or don't want to um, deal with anything that appears messy or anything yeah. like that. And so it's easy to change it rather than to go through it and to grow through it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And maybe they don't know what to do what to or do. say, yeah. I think, yeah. as well. Because, you know, I've obviously, um, you know, I've said there's highs and lows. Yes. <laughs> I mean highs and lows. Um, you know, I often felt 
judged, I guess, um, that I have this child that randomly does stuff that I have no control over. And Can I ask you, you say judged, yeah. do you think, did people do things that were negative or limiting of you or was that your own... You know, oh, it, it own, might be my own perception. Yeah. What? What? But yeah. Um, I do think. <clears throat> excuse me. I do think that it's it's a, it is easy to judge as a parent, mm. and we've all done it. We all do it. I think it's just human nature, and it's not until you're exposed to somebody who has additional needs that you actually start thinking from the flip side of the coin. Mm-hmm. So, you know because I'm so perfect, um, I've always <laughs> told my children, especially the girls, they're a bit older, um, you know, if somebody's acting a certain way at school, maybe they just need help or maybe they don't have friends. So mm. check in with them or, yeah. you know, just be kind. Um, but I think if somebody's struggling at school and then another child does something which doesn't help their struggle, then they probably just think, oh, that's a naughty boy, stay away from him. Oh, you know, the mum doesn't come and help at school, so she's probably just at home. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yep. You know, just those kind of social things that I found impacted my time at school with Henry more so than it did with my girls' time yep. at school. Yeah. And as I said, it could have just come from my own paranoia or my own misreading of situations, but I felt a real disconnect because I felt I had the problematic child and he wasn't invited to everybody's birthday parties mm. and vice versa and, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that's a huge thing as a parent who's new to having a diagnosis or managing it. Yeah, yeah. What did people do who were outside of your immediate family that were helpful? So you look at friends or family beyond, you know, beyond your immediate circle that actually helped you, that you're like... That's exactly what I needed that day. Oh, um, there's been several of that. Um, accepted and understood, tried to understand yeah. my son. Yeah. So, you know, they would encourage their children to have a friendship with him or we would catch up socially, but they would actually explain, you know, if this happens, yeah. you know, they were just, I guess, parenting their child to be kind. Yes. Not that no one else does. I know that might have been delivered wrong. Um, but they knew us and they knew our family and they knew the values and everything that we had. So they just took the time to understand and give Henry a chance. Like we said at the start, the, uh, understanding the difference. This isn't wrong. This is different. Let's yeah, understand that's... the difference. Let's uh, Let's relate differently so we can have good relationship, eh? Yes. And I think if they knew us, they knew that, you know, I might have been in the gym working a little bit harder that day <laughs> if I've had a bad morning or... Yeah, um, she's lifting twice as much as yeah. she normally does. <laughs> yeah, she's a weapon. <laughs> um, so I just think, and that's where your friends and your close community, yeah, they're there for you and they're the little things that make a difference. You know, if I walk through the gym door here and I might, you know, have my head a bit lower than normal. Are you okay? Yep. yep great. And that it just makes a difference. Yes. Somebody asking if you're okay. Yeah. No, that's good. Look, um, 
we'll st- I'd like to head towards a summary here and ask you both what advice you'd give people. Um, because I've heard words say, like, I think the word difference, that there isn't right or wrong, better or not, you know, less than that difference. I've heard community, that that's important. Um, to summarise, uh, Sharon, what advice would you give people who are navigating this or have people in their world that are navigating this? Um, I would just, I wish I had been maybe a little bit more open Yes. with family instead of trying to just manage everything myself. So I would ask for help and I would probably speak about it more. And I think, you know, even in recent times, I've been trying to work out, okay, how can I help? Like our, our main goal at the end of the day with any of our children is to have them educated, safe and happy and independent. And, you know, if we, even with this platform, if we can increase awareness to start a conversation, yes. it's all, I think it's going to be a process and I think it might even be, you know, in another five years, it'll look completely different again in schools and um, organisations for these kids. And I think um, that's where it's going to benefit them the most. I just think it's a, it's a project that yeah. we all can be part of. Yeah, it's awesome. Have that conversation. Hey, I think that's good. Mm. We need you to write your book. This book yeah. you keep telling us about. <laughs> the never-ending tales. That's right. That's right. Just when you think you're finished, there's another chapter. Yeah, I learned more. Ness, give us the golden <laughs> advice that we all need. My biggest advice would be that if you are in the situation where there potentially is a diagnosis, to not be scared of the diagnosis Mm, because the diagnosis doesn't define the child, Mm -hmm. doesn't change the amazing person that they are or the qualities that they have, but the diagnosis is a roadmap that gives us better understanding and better direction on how to support and how to make them thrive um, here on earth. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And more often than not, they can teach us things. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I know, like Henry has taught us as a family, like, more patience. He's taught us a different way to deliver things and it's not all negative. Yeah, no. you're richer for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Awesome, awesome. Well, we appreciate you both being part of this. I think this is uh, needs to be an ongoing conversation. This is something that uh, is very much in everyone's world and I hope that, like we said today, this would start the conversation, give some courage and first steps for some next steps for some people. But I'm very grateful, Vanessa and Sharon, for you being in this conversation. I know that your advice, I know that your experience will definitely have spoken to people. So that's it for this episode of I'm Talking. Uh, if you'd like to know more, make sure you visit visit us on social media or our website and we'd love to keep the conversation going till next time. See ya. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on I'm Talking. If you want to find out more, check out our website, impactc.me. We'll see you next time.